ബ്രഹ്മാനന്ദം പരമസുഖാദം കേവലം ജ്ഞാനമൂർത്തിം ദന്ദ്വാതീതം ഗഗനസദൃശം തത്വമഹ്യാതിലർത്ഥം സംസ്ഥാനസ് the mind just sort of slips yesterday i told a joke <laughs> or two days ago right at the punch line i couldn't remember the punch line of the joke as soon as the camera went off i remembered it but i decided well maybe i wasn't supposed to tell it it wasn't uh, an unclean joke it was a good joke but it didn't uh, have the right kind of consciousness and also i was afraid you wouldn't know the reference because it's a right western reference anyway in the conversations with yogananda number 170 arthur smith a minister in the master's work left it after my arrival there the master told me later smith announced to me one day proudly do you know i never take any of the collection money from the church it all goes to the work master continued the moment he said that I knew he was not for this path. What the master meant was that such an act in a true devotee would have been only natural. It would not have been a cause for pride. There are three great delusions, as the saints have all said. Power, money, sex. Ramakrishna used to say woman, but after all women, are, uh, they too have their attraction to men. It's just the natural thing. the opposite sex let's put it that way so you're not thinking only uh the physical act because in fact these three things if you could eliminate them from your consciousness then you would find it relatively easy to get rid of the other ones but i know master one time was walking in the garden and there were two avocado trees and he said when these were planted i said this one represents me this one represents another person who was very devoted to the path and he said one of us will fall whichever tree dies that one will leave this path and of course he didn't leave this path but the other one did die and that other person did leave this path it's a curious thing incidentally how often master would identify with some sort of a plant there was a tree at the bottom of his garden and it went it died eventually and uh, one of the monks cut it down and master was very sad that he cut it down he said that you will see this is the last the end the beginning of the end of my life somehow his life was associated with that tall pine tree too don't ask me to explain there's an awful lot i cannot explain but yet sometimes these stories are worth repeating anyway maybe you know the answer if you do write me a letter but uh, that he should have that inner connection with that avocado tree and with that uh, tall pine tree there uh, who knows what the hidden mysteries in this universe are in this world so many things that the masters do are really not 
they're beyond our real knowledge. One time we were walking together, and you'll understand this, certainly we did. We were walking together, and it was a narrow path, and there was a hedge here, and Master went into a little garden, and we, to keep up with him, started to go on the other side of the hedge. He said, come back, walk on this side with me. You can understand the symbolism there. I don't have to explain it to you. But there are so many subtle aspects to this life. One of the strange things in uh, the autobiography of a yogi in the chapter of the resurrection of Sri Yukteswar was how Sri Yukteswar spoke of in the astral world there being many fairies and uh, elves and goblins and all these things. And You think, well, these are nice fairy stories, but he said them as a fact. I had an interesting, um, in a sense, a ratification of that. It was when I was in, 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 in England, staying at the home of a friend of mine, and uh, somehow I felt in the woods there the presence of fairies and devatas and uh, woodland uh, gods and so on. And I wrote a song, in fact, on that, which perhaps this week or one of, the, one of these days soon, I will sing to you. It's called Woodland Devas, but it was inspired there. It's a melody that I felt in watching that and feeling those vibrations there. This world is very different from what it seems to be. You see solid earth. A scientist imagines, because he's seen through his instruments, atoms. A real master, one time when master was recording his songs and he recorded the song what lightning flash glimmers in thy face, seeing thee I am thrilled through and through. And he had it, uh, he recorded it several times. And then I had to go out because I had a, a class to give in the church in Hollywood. And so I didn't get to be with him through some of that recording. When I came back, he was, he had just finished and he was out on the lawn outside and having them play it back over a loudspeaker so he could hear the recording, and when that light came on, he was had his hands out like this and was swaying, almost dancing, and we were thrilled to just feel the vibrations of his absorption. As he was leaving, he said, you have no idea how beautiful everything is. I see all of you, the grass, the trees, your bodies, everything is just vibrations of light. He said, when you see a rotting tree, you see rot. I see all these little lights coming in, these lower entities to clear away all that, to make way for new life again. And when people die, we see a rotting corpse if we get to see it at all. A master sees light coming in and purifying and preparing it all over again so the world can keep on going. Their view of things is very different from ours. But the great delusions that they see are the three that I mentioned. Sex, money, wine. Now, wine doesn't mean wine necessarily. You may say, well, I don't drink wine. I drink whiskey. That would be pretty foolish, wouldn't it? One time, one disciple of, of his, she happens to be the first person I ever gave Kriya Yoga initiation to in his name, um, just six months after I received it the first time myself. Anyway, she um, told me this story, that she was a person in living in the social world, and she said that he told me not to drink anything, and I gave it up for a while, but 
You know, it's awfully inconvenient not to drink wine occasionally, a little beer every now and then, just to be sociable. And so I felt, well, he won't know. So she drank a little wine or a little beer, not, not much, but just, to, just so she wouldn't seem strange. And the next time he saw her, he looked at her strongly. He said, I mean, all alcoholic beverages. Then, <laughs> of course, she, she had to and did. I remember when I was at my parents' house and they would have cocktail parties, I used to hold a glass of water. And water looks like gin or gin looks like water. Anyway, people didn't know the difference or maybe they did. But if anybody wondered, they could easily think that. So I didn't feel awkward about it. That may be something you can do too. If people are with you and they're drinking, you can always have a glass of water and not say anything. You don't want to tell a lie. But let them think what they will. And they may well think it's a glass of gin. It doesn't matter. Don't ever tell a lie. It's, it's not good. When you, have the, when you always speak the truth, you will begin to develop the power to materialize your words. But you will fritter that power away if you tell lies. Anyway, wine. By wine, he meant not just alcohol. He meant even drugs that are hallucinogenic. Anything that that alters your consciousness. I used to drink before I met him. I can't say I drank heavily at all. But one time I was in New York, and this was just, I'd already begun to try to meditate. I'd already come uh, in my mind onto the spiritual path, but I hadn't yet met him, and I didn't know how I was going to devote my life as I wanted to, to be a hermit. I used to smoke until I thought, well, who ever heard of a hermit who smokes? I couldn't afford to go into town all the time and keep buying cigarettes, so I, from that moment I quit. And this one day I was in New York, and it was, <coughs> it was very hot. And I saw a bar, so I went in and had a couple of beers. And it didn't, I mean, you can, anybody should be able to handle a couple of beers. But you know, although I wasn't at all drunk or even high, nonetheless I saw I didn't have absolute control over my, my steps. I felt a little bit unsteady. And I thought, if anything can influence my mind that much, and I'm trying to become, begin the spiritual path, I give it up completely. So from then on, I've never taken it. Um, uh, let me tell you a funny story on myself. It's, it's uh, before these days. But I used to drink a little bit, a little wine and whatever. Not much, but I was at church. Now, you probably, uh, listening to this program, may well not be Christian, but in the Christian church, they have the Eucharist, and the wine is supposed to symbolize, they think it's symbolizing Christ's blood, but the blood goes through the body just like consciousness goes through the infinite. So the blood of Christ means the blood of the Christ consciousness, which means his energy everywhere. And the body means, no, the consciousness everywhere, and the body means his energy which is everywhere. So the real meaning of the Eucharist, the real, real meaning of the Christian Mass, is communion with the divine consciousness and with that divine energy uh, sustaining the whole universe. Anyway, I didn't know those things then. All I knew that I was that I was awfully thirsty. It was at Christmas Eve Mass, and there was a long line. All the golfers and everybody were there for the Christmas Eve Mass, at least, and I was sitting at the back of the church, and I was getting more and more thirsty. When I came to the altar rail and knelt to take this cup in my mouth, in my hands, I just sort of gave it an extra little nudge, <laughs> and 
And when the priest tried to take the cup away, he had to yank. And as he did so, there was a loud sucking sound. My brother was kneeling next to me, burst into the laughter. But uh, uh, I, I cannot say that uh, I was necessarily a devotee in those days. Nonetheless, wine uh, is certainly a cause of much ribald laughter. But don't ever drink it. You can laugh at stories about it. Don't, don't drink alcohol. I know that many people in India do. It alters your consciousness. You don't have complete control over yourself. And they say, in vino veritas, in wine, truth comes out. Well, uh, it may not be good. It may, it may not be a truth you want to repeat to others. You don't want to call somebody a crook. When you're drunk, you might. Just be temperate in yourself. Food is also a temptation, but not nearly so serious. It is, uh, I asked Master once a curious question. I didn't put, I don't think I put it in the conversations I may have, but I said, which of the two senses, smell uh, and taste, is the more spiritual? And he said, taste is the more spiritual. Well, it was a joke, really, I just, but I felt quite good. I liked food, and so I was very happy that that was more spiritual, at least. The uh, real tests, though, Master said to me, when ecstasy comes, everything goes. Don't worry about those things. But money, alcohol of any kind, desire for that divine love in one human being, this is okay in the beginning, just as you worship Kali or Krishna. But the sexual experience takes the mind downward. You, I don't want to uh, talk too strongly about it because I know I'm not talking to a group of monks and nuns. But I can tell you that when Master talked to us group of monks and nuns, he was pretty strong. Because as long as your mind is divided, you cannot go one-pointedly into that higher state. It's a simple fact of nature. You have to be one-pointed in your love and in your devotion. Well, here Clifford Frederick Frederick had this delusion, no, Arthur Smith, I'm sorry, had this delusion of money. And uh, a curious thing, one time, Master used to talk about when people who left would come back. And I asked him, or somebody asked him, I forget now, when would Arthur Smith come back? He had given Arthur Smith Kriya. He had been with him for many years. But his answer was, never. He was never in. The real contact with the Guru is not outward, it's inward. When you have that attunement in your heart, that is when you know. People could talk against Master, I would, I would just, it just wouldn't mean a thing to me. Because I know who he was. I know what he did for me. And I know that there is no one who could possibly take his place. Some people say, well, if you met Krishna, wouldn't you go to him? No, I would not. This is my guru. I love Krishna through my guru. I love Kali through my guru. But that consciousness, we have to be absolutely in that. I'm going to sing to you a song. It's called In the Spirit. It was inspired on the island of Patmos where the uh, most beloved disciple of Jesus, because he was the most advanced, wrote the Apocalypse or the Revelation. And uh, I wrote this 
from the vibrations that I felt there. But the organ part, I could never get anyone to get quite right. I couldn't, there's no way you can write notes the way I wanted them played. And so nobody would understand until finally, on this recording, which we've done here, and it's available in India, but I told Dhananjoy, who was playing the keyboard, how I wanted it, and he understood. So when you hear this and hear the feeling of it, that's the feeling I had there, and the words also followed that feeling. Joy to you. I was caught up in ecstasy. Twas a day sanctified by God. There he showed me the truths of heaven, truths which all Seeking him should know how the soul made to live in freedom can reclaim its eternal right. How the night born of our delusion. Can be fired blazing. 